Hello, you're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number 11, recorded on October 29th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can influence the success of others, their organization, and themselves. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is creating a shared vision. And before we jump into talking about creating a shared vision, how did you do last week on giving constructive feedback to others? I hope you had a chance to apply that tool and utilize it in giving some constructive feedback or even considering how you may use constructive feedback coming up here in the near future and would love to hear any comments you have about applying that tool or any questions you have. And if you have comments or questions for this show on anything, you can reach out to me at 877 877- learn 45. Again, that's 877-LEARN-45. Or you can send email to feedback at innovatelearning.com. And of course, you can find all the notes for all the shows on this uh, series at innovatelearning.com. And I'm very excited to welcome back a popular guest from uh, just a couple of episodes ago. And again, someone who's very popular with me as well, my best friend and wife, Dr. Bonnie Stahoviak. And she is here today to, to uh, join me to talk about a important skill for leaders, which is creating an environment where people are excited and willing and ready to work towards something. And that is how to create a shared vision. And it's a really important skill for those of us who lead people to be able to do effectively. So Bonnie, I'm so glad that you joined us here today to share some of your expertise in doing this in the past. Well, thanks for having me here. And I will say it's such an important topic. And one of the sad things is that there are just so few times in life when people truly are just captivated by that sense of shared vision. So I'm glad we're talking about it today. And even before we get into define what a shared vision is, I want to just have us talk a little bit about what you have to have in place first before you can have that. And one thing is that you can't really have a shared vision until the people that are participating in that shared vision have a personal vision. And Dave, I know you're a big fan of the cartoon Peanuts, the comic strip comic strip peanuts. I am a huge fan. And one of the characters always cracks me up because it's Pigpen. And so for those of you that have not seen this cartoon strip, Pigpen is just a dusty fellow. <laughs> and he's a little dirty. <laughs> everywhere he goes, he's carrying with him a big cloud of dust. And he's terribly amusing for me. And I, it's kind of one of those images that to me, a lot of people have this unhealthy feeling about disappointment with their workplaces, disappointment with their leaders at work. Why doesn't this person, why doesn't this company, why don't they create that shared vision? It's their fault that I lack the motivation and the drive to do a great job and to really bring my talents. And certainly we have talked about on the show before, and and we certainly both have experienced real disappointments in leadership. I don't want to minimize those, but at the same time, we have to be prepared within ourselves to tap into that sense of purpose and sense of meaning and our own vision for our lives. And there's that famous phrase that says, wherever you go, 
there you are. And so if you bring to the workplace or to the nonprofit that you volunteer for or to your marriage or to whatever it may be, if you don't bring a personal sense of vision, you are not going to be equipped to participate in really building and then sustaining a shared vision. You'll be just like Pigpen. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you'll be. <laughs> I think Pigpen is a great analogy for considering this because I know many of the people we've worked with in the past, Bonnie, and, and even some of our most recent clients, uh, people approach us. And and the the kind of default thing to do is when something's not working well in the workplace, the first thing everyone looks is they start pointing fingers to leadership, their colleagues, the people that work with them. And I think there's a hesitancy for many of us, and it's just human nature many times to look outside of ourselves when something isn't working well. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I'm teaching a class for one of our clients on how to have more personal productivity and stress management. And one of the things that we do in this class is we ask people to write out what's causing them stress right now in their lives. And they make this huge list of all the things that are causing them stress. And then I ask them to put it into two categories to divide the list and to put that into the external and internal. And what are the things that are causing you stress that are truly external, as in other people are creating those, you don't have any control over them. And what are things that are truly internal to you that you do have control over and you could use to reduce your stress? And every time I've done this exercise with a group of of people, what always happens is as people really start to look at the list carefully, they, they sort of first kind of put a lot of it into the external. And as they start to look at it and they do some dialogue with other people in the class and the workshop, they realize that a lot of the things that they first put into the external list are actually things that they do have a lot more control over than they first thought about. Mm. And so that I think that that's a really important thing for us to keep in mind when we talk about the, uh, you know, we really can't depend on others if we're not also depending on ourselves. It requires us not to be independent in the workplace or dependent, but we really need to be interdependent. And that's really speaks to the importance uh, and the building blocks of starting to create something we would call a shared vision. And we'll define a shared vision here in just a moment. But before that, Bonnie, I know you have an example uh, that goes back to the days of Spartacus, which is uh, from one of the the movies. That's just a great example of this. So there's this movie from some time ago, and I actually have never seen the entire movie, but I did see the clip that I'm about to reference. But some people listening might not have seen that movie as well because it does go back quite some time. (laughs) And so but what I had always heard was people referencing a quote from the movie, which was, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. And I always wondered what on earth does that refer to? Mm-hmm. Just, just these kind of classic moments in older movies where you know, Rosebud, you know, <laughs> where you have no idea what, what people are talking about. It's kind of like a code language. And when I was finally able to discover the story and to see a clip from the movie, it just really is a powerful illustration of a shared vision. So the movie Spartacus is an adaptation of a story of a gladiator in the Roman days. And he led an army of slaves to a big uprising against their captors. This is back in 71 BC. The story is being told. That's not when the movie was made because they didn't have movies. 
Yeah, it was, it was a little harder with the technology and mm-hmm. some, the, the Dolby surround sound just didn't quite work the same way it does today. So the slaves had this uprising and it was led by Spartacus. And Spartacus, by the way, is played by Kirk Douglas. It looks like it's a great movie. I should probably watch it so I could reference it with more authority. Yeah. But we have a lot of movies that we need to see um, that we've not seen. So anyway, he leads these slaves to a couple of battles where they win, but then they end up being captured again and essentially they get a deal from their captors and it's and the quote is like this you have been slaves you will always be slaves you'll be slaves again but they give this deal they tell them that they're they can waive their punishment which would be death you know instead of killing all of you you can you'll still be a slave but you just tell us who the spartacus person is because we don't know him by sight so you just tell us who he is Let us, of course, the implied thing is let us kill him. And the rest of you can go back to your slave lives. However, what they were not counting on was that it wasn't really just about loyalty to Spartacus that that caused this next action, but it was really this shared vision of freedom. They had seen a picture of their future, a picture of their lives, not as slaves, that was much more powerful than their desire to protect their own lives individually. So what happens next is they basically say, you know, hand over Spartacus to us. And Kirk Douglas very reluctantly, after moments of pause, stands up and says, I am Spartacus. And then the man next to him says, I am Spartacus. And then another man across the way says, no, I am Spartacus. And slowly but surely, you see just this army of slaves all stand up and basically say, no, kill me, take take me. Because it was that the power of the vision of their future as not slaves was much more powerful than protecting themselves. Because at what point when you have that vision of what life could be like, they were willing to risk that. And it's just as a very powerful thing. And in fact, Dave, I understand you'll put the clip to it on the show notes so people can see it. I highly suggest this two minute clip or so. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great link and a great analogy for the importance and the power of having a shared vision. And this leads us to our definition of what a shared vision is. And, and really the definition has two key components. So one of those is it's a shared picture of what the future looks like. And by shared picture, it's a picture that I hold, you hold, the person who's working with me holds, the person who's leading us holds, the people who we're leading hold. So we have that universal shared picture of what the future is going to look like. And in addition to that, the second piece is that we're committed to each other to achieve that vision and to work towards it. Mm -hmm. And so both of those are really key pieces of having a shared vision. Now, this, of course, begs the question, well, how do I do that? as a leader. And so we're going to jump into that uh, here in in just a second. So there's this tension that happens when you're able to work with a group of people and develop that shared picture of the future, which allows you to look very realistic at the present. And so the, the analogy that is often used by leadership authors and researchers is this sense of a rubber band that's kind of, we've got that stretch, the tension between where I am now, where we are now, and where we want to be. And that's a very healthy tension. It isn't like a goal where we've achieved it, we have the cake, and we celebrate and we move on to the next goal. But it's that ever-present tension driving us toward greater results. So it's not something that we necessarily plan on 
achieving because if we ever achieved it then we of course we'd cast another vision but it's not the same thing as a goal where we'd wind up the year see where we are that type of thing it's that healthy healthy tension between where we are and and then there's that whole self-sacrifice that says you know us achieving this together is more important to me than if i got there on my own and the one of the great resources for shared vision if you want to get into this in even more depth is to take a look at a book called the fifth discipline from peter senge and this has a whole section in the book about creating a shared vision and i strongly recommend it for any leader who really wants to get into this in more depth and senge talks about a number of different resources and tools that you can utilize to create a shared vision and i i think we're going to boil this down to about four key steps that we can utilize as leaders to create a shared vision and of course there's uh, pieces of all these steps but if you can if you can appreciate and utilize these four it'll really get you started on that process of how to create a shared vision and to utilize a shared vision to inspire people to create some amazing things so the first step really is to be all ears so in this piece it's all about listening and it's about listening with a keen ear to be ever cognizant of the people that are on your team that you're leading, what their personal visions are, what their visions are for the team, for the group, for the organization, and being ever aware of that because being able to tap into that and build that into that shared vision is going to build in a real nice framework of motivation as well, where people are really driven to have perhaps not as powerful as the Spartacus story, I highly doubt, (laughs) but certainly where they might be willing to sacrifice some of their own wants and selfish desires for the sense of the greater purpose. And then really the second half of the be all ears is, is really taking the time out as a leader to reflect. And I remember a number of our presidents have mentioned this in recent past of the importance in their roles and and kind of attention for them of not being able to have that time to do the deep thinking that's required to make the kinds of decisions that they make. Mm -hmm. And Dave, you you and I have talked a lot about just our concern over our society of just the rush and the, and the busyness and sort of the addictive qualities of always have to be going, 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 doing, 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 that list is so long and I, you know, and, and, and how that can be kind of an addicting quality and how often do we as leaders step back, take the time to reflect and listen to ourselves, listen to that inner voice, which sounds so touchy feely to say, but what is that telling us? And that can be really, really crucial to a leader. I, I know a number of leaders who are in faith-based organizations who take at least a week to go off on either a silent retreat which in a number of different faith traditions is you know, available where you can go out and stay somewhere and just really deconnect from the technology, deconnect from the busyness of it all and just to reflect on what's truly important. And I don't think that even needs to be a faith-based thing. I think that can certainly be healthy and important for any person to take the time out, whatever that looks like for them, what works for them and their own models of being able to think more effectively about the future. And I don't run into many leaders who do one or even or both of these things really well, one being taking the time to really go out and to listen to people and listen to people that are in their organizations. And and I don't mean listen by holding a lunch meeting and getting a group of people together and you talking a whole bunch about what you wanted to talk about, which is what, what happens a lot of the time is people have good intentions of getting people together and having dialogue 
but ultimately it still ends up being the leader's agenda as far as what's being discussed. I mean, really getting time to truly listen and understand where people are coming from and to take the time to then understand what's important to me. And I know I'm dramatically more effective when I take time to process and to think and to really absorb everything. And if you do utilize that well, you have a lot more things to consider and a lot, and you're able to then start to put together a vision which really incorporates the vision of each individual person. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what we really mean by a shared vision. It's not just one vision. The shared vision is really a a number of individual visions that come together that utilize those visions to create something better. And Senge, in his book, The Fifth Discipline, uses the analogy of a hologram. The more pieces that you have, the more beautiful the hologram appears. And that's really what a shared vision, too, is it's not just a leader creating a quote-unquote vision statement, but it's really taking the time to listen about the dialogue and the stories that are being told amongst the organization and creating that shared vision. So the second piece is that as a leader, we really need to own the vision. It needs to be something that we're fully committed to. If we're not fully committed to the vision, how could we expect the people we're leading to be committed as well? And that's really a key thing. And I think sometimes leaders miss this piece is they don't realize that they need to be bought into the vision too. If they're only 85% there, it is not going to do it. The leader has to be 100% bought into the vision and being able to then eventually communicate that vision, which is step three. But one of the things that I've heard from years of facilitation experience and working with workshops and working with clients is one of the things I was told very early in my facilitation career as far as being an effective facilitator in a classroom is no class member or class participant will ever go raise to a level higher than that of the instructor. Mm. That the instructor sets the bar and nobody's ever going to go beyond that because the leader sets the tone in the classroom. And you know what? In organizations, it's the exact same way. If the leader's only 80% bought in, that's the absolute highest that anyone else will ever go in that organization is 80%. And most people will fall somewhere below that. And so as leaders, if we're only 80% there, no one will do any better than we're doing. So we really need to be bought into the vision. And if we're not, it's not the right vision. It's not connected with us and our goals for the organization. So when it comes to communicating the vision, certainly there are going to be, you know, a rational way of communicating this. There's going to be, you know, wording choices and figuring out the right language and that kind of thing. But of course, we don't want to forget about communicating that that vision emotionally. And there's a wonderful book called The Leadership Challenge that Dave and I read while we were getting our master's degree. It's by a UCI professor, James McGaw. And he's quoted as saying, emotionally significant events create stronger, longer lasting memories. Stronger emotional arousal is associated with better memory. And so if we want people to have this vision kind of tumbling around consistently in their memories and really be connected to it, we really want to be able to have it communicated and and touch them and sort of with some of the emotional pieces as well. And quick correction, I actually had written down the wrong thing here for uh, for us. The uh, Leadership Challenges by Kuzis and Posner and McGaw is quoted in the book, so you can find his information in there. And it, The Leadership Challenge is a great book for really tools around 
being able to lead well, but also how to communicate very effectively too. Thank you. I'm cracking up because the number of times I cited that book, you would <laughs> And the number of times we've both read it and utilized that book over the years. I yeah. think that psychologically, I was trying to avoid having to pronounce that name that is very difficult Cousies, for me yeah. to say. <laughs> here's a, here's a tough get name. it wrong all the time. That's a, that's a re-record button for me moment. So the other thing I wanted to mention quickly about being able to communicate this vision in a emotional way, Dave and I often with the engagements that we do with our clients, when we're helping them in creating a shared vision we'll bring in what's called a strategic illustrator. And I love this title. Me too. <laughs> the one that we work with, her name is Linda Crawl, And he'll put the, a link to her website on the show notes, lindacrawl.com. She's a very gifted strategic illustrator. What they do is they help in groups be that, be all ears to the group, mm -hmm. but translate the ears to the eyes because so many of us connect with things visually. And so they're able to listen to the conversation that's emerging and they're able to capture those ideas, capture the sense of vision and purpose, but do it in an illustrated way. And so one of the nonprofits that Dave and I have given our time and money to is called Working Wardrobes. Working Wardrobes is a terrific organization here in Orange County where they help people with who are in some sort of a career crisis with both clothing as well as professional and career training. And so one of the things they've done is brought in a strategic illustrator and they actually have this map up in their facility on a wall. It takes up, it's a whole mural of it. And it's amazing because now I, th I would think that by now they're probably at least halfway through this, this illustrated road. They use the analogy of a road. And of course they had sort of the, the path that they wanted to take some of the forks in the road that might, you know, lead them to areas where they didn't really necessarily want to be or mm -hmm. some danger zones along the way, of course. But it was really remarkable to be able to see how these people had come together as leaders in that organization and really create this incredible visual illustration of their vision. And what a wonderful way to be able to capture in with both the emotions as well as the rational choices being made along the way toward driving toward that shared vision. And it really comes down to storytelling, whether that story is a visual story from a strategic illustration, whether that story is a story that is a shared story amongst the group, whether that story is from the leader that's, that captures the emotions of the people involved, the being able to communicate it emotionally through a, through a powerful story is the tool that is most often utilized successfully to really communicate that shared vision to the organization. And then of course, that brings us to step four, which is allow others to own it. And this may seem a counterintuitive step because it's not something the leader can do actively most of the time. The leader has to then step back and let other people own it. And what the mistake that's often made by leaders is that they uh, believe that they can force people to own a vision or, or at least strongly, strongly, strongly uh, <laughs> encourage them to buy into this vision. And people will always say that they're going to buy into a vision. They'll, they'll never not say that to most leaders, most managers in an organization. I don't know about never, but... <laughs> well, maybe not never, but mo most people wise who... Wise people won't. Wise people who want to keep their jobs and yes. don't want to ruffle feathers, which is many people in the workplace... Will, uh, will nod and smile when the leader says, here's our vision, here's what we're going to, here's the strategic plan I want everyone to buy into. But then around the water cooler later on, or with their spouse later, or with friends, they say, gosh, you know, I just don't really buy into that very well. Ultimately, the leader has to allow people to own it. And it has to be really about 
I mean, I guess I have a little bit of, of yes, I, we need to let people own it. And then when they don't, there needs to be consequences for that. I mean, it isn't that, oh, well, if they didn't get it, then we'll still keep moving on. There's this great, uh, sure. forgot the book, but you're making sure you got the right people on the bus. Oh, the uh, Good to Great. Yeah, it's a great, Jim Collins. It's a great book called Good to Great. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not just about that they're in the right seats as in they're in the right roles, but there's this whole process of, do we have the right people just on the bus? And the, this future vision is kind of, here's the roadmap of where, I mean, it's not even really a roadmap. It's more of a compass mm-hmm. guiding that bus toward, you know, the goal, the future, the, the picture of the future. But, you know, people sometimes are going to need to exit that bus, I guess is, is what I'm sort of thinking. So yeah. I, I know what you're trying to say, or I think what you're trying to say, Dave, is that it's the importance that I can't be as a leader about telling you how all the time, especially the higher up I get in the organization, the less it is about me instructing you and directing you on how we as a leader are helping to create the conversation around the whys. Why is this important? Why are we moving in this direction and getting lots of different perspectives around where we're headed? But if we get too focused on the how, how this vision is going to be implemented, how these things are going to come to be, we're not tapping into the potential that people have. To really, if you've got them captivated, as you said, by telling those stories and really tapping into their inner sense of purpose, you got to get out of their way. (laughs) You got to get out of their way so that they can, and sometimes they might stumble along the way. And sometimes the worst thing you could do is to step in and say, oh, well, let me fix it for you. Yeah. And we had talked about this in delegation a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago of the importance of, you know, certainly as a leader stepping in when, when someone's going to go off a cliff, but to let people learn from their mistakes and let them have ownership and let them to drive the vehicle to where they're going to go. Because I'd much rather have someone who's a hundred percent motivated about an 80% good idea yep. than, you know, 20% motivated about the perfect idea. And that this really comes down to the allowing other people to own it. And the, 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 the important thing too about a shared vision is once the organization knows what the vision is, it's so much easier for not only the leader, but the people involved in the organization to know if they are connected to that vision mm-hmm. because it's clear and it understands and either they're connected or they're not. And then it's it's easier. It's still not easy, but it's easier for the leader and that person to make a decision about what's next. Maybe you're not the right fit for this organization or this project or whatever the situation is. But that way you have clarity around that as opposed to having a whole bunch of people together and saying, okay, let's show up for work tomorrow because that's what we did yesterday and maybe had the right direction or maybe not. So this this really allows hopefully for some of that clarity to happen a little bit more effectively. One of the organizations that I work with a lot has really an unfortunate culture of what has been termed learned helplessness. And that can be a culture where people are talk about that dependence that you spoke of earlier in the podcast, Dave, where people have just become convinced that nothing I do will make a difference. Nothing anyone does does will make a difference. It's just whatever ideas come across. And that is a really, really unhealthy culture to work in. So while, while leaders are creating this sense of shared vision, they also need to be examining, and I'm sure you'll do this in future podcasts, examining those things that are going to hold them back. There's this this researcher named Lewin, it's L-E-W-I-N, and in the early 50s, he was famous for coming up with this change model, This, which is a lot to do with a shared vision is wanting, what kinds of change do you want to see? Mm-hmm. But he said, yes, you know, paint that picture. Where do we want to be? Paint the picture, where are we now? 
but before you can focus on here's how we're going to get there, you got to say, here's what might hold us back. And Dave knows one of my favorite comedies of all time is Steve Martin's movie, The Jerk. I'm really citing a lot of very academic yes. type of things in this podcast. You are. And Anytime s- you can bring Steve Martin into <laughs> uh, professional consulting, though, it's, it's a very good thing. Yeah. So at one point, Steve Martin has uh, people who are robbing the gas station where he works. They're trying to get free gas. That And so what he does is he attaches a chain to the back of their car which is also attached to a house or a church or something, some, some kind of structure that's behind them. Yeah. And so, you know, they're trying to speed away, get away with their free tank of gas. <laughs> and he thinks he's a hero, by the way. And they're dragging along this physical building behind them. And so I guess when we think about change, you're going to get a lot wherever you're going, a lot faster. If you've figured out what might be holding you back from getting there, that he calls them the restraining forces. So if we're thinking about those restraining forces within our vision framework, those have to be focused on in addition to the things that are going to propel us forward. And of course, this takes time and resources to figure Mm -hmm. out some of these things. And the organizations that invest the time and resources to do this up front and before the work really begins Yes, they spend more uh, time and resources on the front end uh, initially, but in the long run, certainly save themselves from a lot of frustration and painful situations of trying to move something forward that does not yet have a clear direction. And so I hope that the material that we've covered today has been helpful for you in being able to think about how you might create a shared vision and continue to advance the objectives of your organization. And if we can be helpful to you in creating that and providing a roadmap for that, give us a call. We're at 877-LEARN-45, or you can send feedback to us at feedback at innovatelearning.com. And Bonnie, I'm so glad you joined me again today and uh, for all your great ideas on creating a shared vision. Thanks for having me visit over from all the way across the hall. Yeah, exactly. Hope you all have a great week, everyone, and look forward to seeing you next week for the next episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. Take care.